Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I am Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. Our gospel lesson this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew. We continue Sermon on the Mount. He has talked about being blessed, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, and then moved on to saying, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now he continues uh, talking about the Ten Commandments here. Uh, some of the Ten Commandments sort of ramping up, ramping up their implications. And so hear now how God is speaking to you through these words from the Gospel of Matthew. This is Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Imagine. Use your imaginations. For a moment here, imagine that you are 
you are. Now that doesn't take so much imagination. You know who you are. But you are who you are in the year 25. 26, 27. Whenever Jesus was delivering the Sermon on the Mount here, you are there. Imagine that you are among this group of people. That you are there. And that your life situation and your human anxieties and struggles, your suffering, your joys, you have brought with you. All that you are in that sense. Imagine being there at Jesus' feet, listening to this Sermon on the Mount. Now imagine also the situation for these people, politically, especially, economically, religiously, somewhat different. Certainly politically, very different. You're not in the United States anymore. You are in ancient Israel. And in this area, you are surrounded. <clears throat> surrounded by signs of violence. And signs of violence as a proper political tool. Your country is not your country. It's occupied by the Roman Empire. Your governor is a pawn of that empire, even though he is ostensibly one of you. He's really a pawn of that empire. Your religious leaders and some of your political leaders are in collusion, some of them are in collusion with the empire as well. And you have Roman soldiers that walk the streets of your towns armed and ready to deliver justice, to deliver Rome's sense of justice, which is justice through violence, violent justice. They are ready to deal swift and deadly justice of their kind to anyone that they deem a threat. And without much recourse for legal defense against it. And your, your people, your fellow Jews, if you're there listening to Jesus, more than likely you are a, a Jewish person. Maybe a few Gentiles were there as well. But you and your people, <clears throat> having been occupied for a while by Rome and having lost your country hundreds of years, Forward to other occupiers. You have dreams of being a free people again. You have dreams of getting rid of Roman occupation. Maybe you even have some dreams of revenge on the people that have taken over your sacred lands and have interfered with your religion. Rome didn't interfere a lot in the religion, but it interfered some. But there was also the fact that this land was given to you by God to be yours, and now Rome has it. That's an injustice. You might be angry about that. How do you feel about that? And to come back to today, I think of the level of, of anger that I see in letters to the editor or some, people, you know, some of the pundits on TV or in the comments section uh, on, uh, on news websites. The, the 
anger that I see from some people who are absolutely convinced that because the president is not of their party, that their country has been taken away from them. I see this anger about that and lament about feeling that the country has been taken away from, even though it hasn't. I can understand the anger and the lament, but I will say at the same time, to claim here that just because the president isn't in your party means that your country has been taken from you does incredible disservice to the people around the world who truly have had their countries taken away from them. So I think to see the level of anger of what can go on here in the United States, what must the level of anger have been for the Jewish people who truly have had their country taken away, taken away and occupied by someone else? It may be mixed in with that anger. We know there were the zealots who were very angry against Rome and who eventually rise up against them and try to overthrow Rome, and that ends up in the year 70 with Rome completely destroying the temple and killing tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of Jewish people. There were those that were that angry. Or maybe not so much you would be angry, but just might not care. You have such little power that for the most part, whether it's your country or whether it's Rome, whoever is in charge, you lose anyway. Maybe the anger is just that, not about who is ruling you, but that whoever is in charge always abuses you. Or doesn't pay attention to you, doesn't lift you up, doesn't try to make things better for you. You're at the bottom of the power structure, living day by day, being taken advantage by those who ought to be protecting you. Rich get richer, while you get nothing. The poor don't even get poorer, because in a sense they got nowhere else to go. Or maybe you're a woman in this culture that's very patriarchic, very male-centric. Maybe you're a woman who also feels this insecurity of being a female, knowing that you can be subject to harassment at any moment, and not really with much penalty to the person or much that you can do about it. Or the anxiety of being a wife and knowing that you can, at any moment, end up divorced. Your husband can just decide he doesn't want to be married to you anymore and divorce you. And there's no alimony. There's no support from him after that. You're just cut off and sent out to fend on your own. Hopefully your dad or brother, someone, will have mercy on you and take you in. But you're still a tainted woman in a lot of ways. That's kind of a death sentence. Always. In the back of your mind, niggling away, is it going to happen today? And then this man shows up. This man, Jesus, shows up and he says, you 
are the blessed one. You. You are the God-favored ones. You who are meek, who are mourning, who are peacemakers. You who are poor, hungry, thirsty for righteousness. You are the spiritually prosperous. You are the God-favored. He goes on. You are the salt of the earth. And you are the light of the world. Not the emperor, or governor, or the merchants, or the Pharisees, or Sadducees, or scribes, or the rich, or the powerful, but you. You who are the underclass. You who have come to hear me. You who bring your brokenness. You who bring anxieties and worries. You who have been oppressed or left behind or left outside, left on the margins. You who have always been told that you're not special enough for God or government to care about. Unless you go through the hoops that we put before you and live like we tell you to. You are the salt and the light. Imagine that. You've probably not heard that before. Maybe a few have, have said that. But also maybe not with such authority as Jesus does, or such compassion. And then Jesus goes on and he says, You have heard it said that you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not. You have heard that. You have heard that many, many times because you've heard the Ten Commandments and they're in there. But you've also heard that by your religious leaders, maybe some of them, whom are on the edge of the crowd, kind of listening in, trying to hear what this new guy has to say, and perhaps judging, condemning him for his words. You have heard these people say those words many times while they take advantage of you. They say, don't murder. But they sit by while you go hungry. They say, don't murder, but they stand by while people are sick, cast outside the city walls. They say, don't murder, while others are buried in debt. It may be buried in debt to the very people saying, don't murder. They say, don't murder, uh, and they make you pay to have access to God. Now you know the Ten Commandments. You've heard them your whole life because you are a good Jewish person. You would know them. You'd know these stories. And now this man, Jesus, is talking about the Ten Commandments in, in a new way. Taking them to their fullest implication. He goes on. They say don't murder, but I say don't be angry. Don't be angry with your brothers or your sisters. 
Because anger can lead to murder, or anger can lead to vengeance, to seeking justice through violence. And justice through violence is never justice. It's just more violence. Yeah? And anger can also kill the one who holds on to it. It doesn't let it go. Anger can tear you up inside and become fatal in and of its own right. To be angry and not turn that anger into healthy action. You know, it's not the anger so much that's bad. Anger can inspire us to do good things. Think Rosa Park on the bus. Just angry enough to not take the seat she was supposed to take. Anger can lead us to right wrongs, to fix broken systems. That's good. That's anger being turned into healthy action. But anger that we just live with, to not move beyond it, not healthy. And it's also a, a denial of the God spirit in the person you're angry with. It's a denial of their humanity in a way. And a denial of the God spirit in you as well. You can't be in right relationship with God if you're not in right relationship with your neighbor or your enemy. Jesus is talking about relationships. He's talking about what do the Ten Commandments mean for us in terms of relationships with one another. They're sort of laid out as these personal things. Well, I don't do this then I'm okay. But he's saying, even if you don't do that, you might be doing actions that lead to that for your neighbors. So, doing a murder becomes, even don't be angry. But we could also say, don't let people go hungry. Don't let people starve to death. Don't let people uh, get executed. Don't let people die for lack of health care. And he talks about lust. Lust dehumanizes and objectifies. Also a kind of murder. Divorce, especially at that time, a kind of murder because it meant a horrible life, quite likely, for the woman who has been cast out. And it's also a betrayal of vows and, and other things. You know, these things might be legal, Jesus says, but they're not right. They break relationships. They can hurt people. And maybe as you are sitting there listening, seeing Jesus there, maybe you're thinking back to Moses. You would know Moses' story very well. You think back to Moses who went up to the mountain to receive the law and now Jesus is on a mountain offering a new way of living into the fullness of that law. And as a faithful Jewish person, you also would know very well the story of the Exodus from slavery in Egypt, the 40 years in the wilderness, how it was at the beginning of that journey that Moses went up the mountain, got the law, brought it back down, 40 years in the wilderness, and right at the very end, before your people were ready to enter the Promised Land, Moses has this final speech with them in which he says, 
as you enter this new land that God has promised to you. This is the land that Rome now occupies. As you enter this promised land, you have two choices. You can choose the way of death, or you can choose God's way, the way of life. I think partly that's what Jesus is saying here. In this part of the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, choose the way of life. Give up anger. Give up vengeance, violence, dehumanizing acts like insults, apathy. Choose the way of life. Choose what builds up people. Choose what builds relationships. And to a people who are, might have been very well bent on vengeance on Rome. Maybe not everyone. Probably quite a few wanted vengeance on Rome. Didn't just want Rome out, but maybe wanted Rome punished for justice. Or maybe uh, people listening to Jesus might very well have wanted vengeance on those around him who had abused them economically and religiously and politically. May very well have been thoughts of vengeance. Jesus is saying, I think Jesus is saying here, look, I know you're angry. That's why I'm saying this. I know you're angry. God knows you're angry. And God knows you have every right to be angry. This is worth being angry about. But don't give in to that anger. No more eye for an eye. From now on, we don't even do harsh words for an eye. Choose the way of life. And watch me. You can imagine Jesus could very well have added in here. I want you to watch me over the next couple of years as I go to the cross and do so only forgiving, offering only forgiveness. Choosing life by going to the cross that way. You are God favored. You are salt and light. Choose the way of life. Choose the way of life. And so now I have a task for you. Actually, I have two tasks for you. One is, my task to you as a pastor is to say, choose life. I really want you to choose the way of life. Make that decision. The other task is a more physical task. We have a note cards under your bulletin. I'd like you to take those out. 
What I'd like you to do is you have a, there's one side that's lined, there's one side that's unlined. Use whatever side you like. You can hold it vertically, horizontally, doesn't matter. It's your card. Do this however you like. Do it as you're comfortable. Uh, and you don't even have to do this if you don't want to. That's fine. But what I'd like you to, what I would like you to do is on your card at the very top, write down if you if this is true. Right now, today, I choose the way of life. Today, I choose the way of life. And then sign your name below that. And then on the rest of the card, you should have a good amount of blank space on that card, I want you to write down whatever you can think of that might be ways that you can live Choose uh, in, in choosing the way of life. What to you might be some actions you can do that show that you are choosing the way of life. And these might be some specific things. Take a friend to lunch. Call someone you know is sick. Uh, exercise more. Eat better. I wrote those on my card. I need to do that. <clears throat> Not curse people when they do something stupid in traffic, but bless them instead. Or maybe something more abstract. Be kinder. Be gentler with people. Maybe an important one we can do is to be more gentle with ourselves. Reduce the stuff you buy and you don't need. Be more judicious on your choice of entertainment. Or you spend your free time. Maybe something really related specifically to faith and ministry. Go out one night with a street ministry. Volunteer at the community table. Or how about that annoying man or woman at work? Instead of thinking of them as that annoying man or woman at work, invite them to lunch or a coffee. Learn their story. And maybe they'll still be annoying. But at least you've learned their story. And it's a good bet they won't be so annoying anymore. You will have built a relationship. So, <clears throat> we'll give you uh, uh, some time of, of silence, about 30 seconds or so of, of silence, right on the card. Nancy will then lead us in her hymn. And then what I'd like you to do at any point, if you feel comfortable, again, you don't have to do this. If you want to just keep this card to yourself, that's fine. Uh, but, what I think would be kind of meaningful to do Take the part that has, today I choose the way of life, in your signature. Tear that part off. And either during the silence or during the hymn, bring it up and put it on the table here, along with our Beatitudes and the salt and the light. Add your choice to this table that represents who we are.
Holy God, God of life, you have seen the commitments made here this morning by us for choosing life and the ways that we plan to do more life-giving things. I lift all of these up to you, Holy One. Hold them in your heart and bless us with your spirit that all these people, that all of us, will be able to live out the choice that we've made today and to be faithful to what we have written and to what we have listed here. May your spirit make us to be the disciples that you want us to be and to build the world that you envisioned and imagined for us. Amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.